Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. For those joining us online, a special welcome to you as well. From wherever you happen to be joining us from in the world today, so glad that you're joining us here uh, for this time of worship and being in God's Word together and uh, just being together as a church. And as those that do this online from different parts of the world, we do hope uh, that you do feel a sense of belonging, even though there's a great distance between us. And uh, I've got a few emails in the past little while from people that do consider this their home church from different parts of the world. Some have never actually set foot uh, inside this building ever, and yet this is their church. And so for those, the congregation online, so glad that you're joining us in this way and that you're here with us. Last number of weekends as we came into the fall, we were in a series called Ignite, which was about becoming a spirit-empowered community. And as we prayed as a team and as we considered some things and as uh, Pastor Sam twisted my arm and threatened me with all sorts of things, uh, we decided that we were going to take a break from Acts and come into a series in, uh, in line with the Global Poverty Initiative and put less under the tree and give more to the world. And in that, get a sense of God's heart for justice and compassion. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next number of, of weekends. Advent starts next weekend, but this begins, as Pastor Chris said, the launch of the Global Poverty Initiative. And really this, this series today, or this series that's starting today, and this message in particular, really is about establishing the groundwork, getting a sense of God's heart for justice and compassion. And I invite you just to pray with me as uh, we come into this uh, time together. And actually, just one other thing that's been on my heart I want to share with you. On Friday evening, I uh, was uh, on a phone call with some of our international workers, and they were just sharing with me some of the things that they're, some of the challenges that they're facing. And uh, I'm not sure if you've heard the stories yet of what's happening in Yemen right now. Uh, some of the news reports coming out of Yemen, the fact that uh, the, the reality is, no, no exaggeration, that more than 7 million people right now in Yemen are on the verge of starving to death in the next number of days or in the next week. I mean, the humanitarian crisis is massive, and I'm not sure why it's not uh, more in the media and news, uh, but this is, a, this is a current crisis that's being faced. We would just pray for the people of Yemen. We need some border. We need some walls to come down, some borders to open. There's political uh, discussions and crisis right now, and it's the people, primarily children, women, who are under the heaviest weight of oppression right now. And we're going to pray for them this morning. Would you go to prayer with me? Father, uh, we come before you this morning, and I just can't even get my head around the fact that 7 million people, like, like the GTA plus 2 million more, on the verge of starving to death. I mean, just in the news report on Friday night, two of the little kids that were in the report died a few hours later of starvation, just lack of food. God, that's not how it's supposed to be in the world. That's not, that's not what you made the world to be like. And yet there are powerful people, political kings, princes, prime ministers, presidents, who sit around the table trying to discuss things and come up with ideas and everything else. And it's the people that are suffering horribly. And God, we feel like at this point, I feel at this point, this is one of those Red Sea moments where there's a group of people with their backs pushed up against a wall. They're trapped. They're stuck. There's nothing they can do. And God, we are asking, as Rexdale Alliance Church today, we're asking, Father, would you part the waters? Would you open the borders? Would you allow food and water and medicine to flow into that country even today? God, I pray that you would do what none of us can do. You can speak to the hearts of leaders. You can speak to the hearts of kings and princes and humble them before you. And we pray that you would do it, that there would be no structure, no system that would stand against your mercy and goodness flowing into the country of Yemen. And God, we do, I do, this whole weekend, I felt this just a sense of powerlessness and 
What, what, do we, what do we do? And yet, God, you call us to pray. And that when your people pray, it shapes and shakes nations, and it has for centuries. And so we, give, we commit ourselves, even this day, to praying for all the people who are called by your name to bring your goodness and mercy to broken places. We pray that you would strengthen them, that you would give them insight, you would give them wisdom. And in these coming days, what looks like the worst crisis to hit the world in a long time, that it would be reversed, that you would redeem it, you would reconcile it, and this would be an open door for the good news of Jesus Christ to come to a part of the world that's living in darkness. Believe you for that today, Jesus. And Father, even as we begin uh, this series about your heart for justice and compassion, I do pray that this would be more than an explanation, this would be more than just a discussion about your heart, but this would be a ministry of your heart to this church. And so church, I commission you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by Father, Son, and Spirit, to this new adventure over the next number of weeks of discovering God's heart for justice and compassion. We give ourselves to that for the glory of Jesus Christ alone. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, you know, every neighborhood, probably everywhere in the world, has one. And it's someone's worst nightmare to be one. I'm referring to the kid in almost every neighborhood or playground who gets picked on. I mean, the kid that's the target. It might be because he's the smallest kid on the block. It might be because of his ethnic background. Maybe he's different from the majority of kids. Maybe it's his lack of athletic proficiency or maybe even because of a physical handicap. You find that maybe you have as well that cruelty doesn't seem to have an age limit to it. But there's usually one kid in the neighborhood who pays a huge price for just sort of being who he is. He gets picked on. That is unless there's an advocate on the block. In some neighborhoods, not all by any means, but in some neighborhoods, there's this big kid who decides for who knows what reason to come alongside and protect the kid who's always getting picked on. You ever had that experience or seen that? And at first, no one believes that the protector is really going to defend this kid. But then there comes this point where the little guy's being being hassled or bullied beyond the point where the protector feels comfortable. And then with kind of this Hollywood-style drama, at least that's how I imagine it, the big guy squares off in front of all the other kids who's picking on this one. And he says with kind of that loud, intimidating, powerful voice, you mess with Jimmy, you mess with me. And everybody goes, oh, this just got serious. And all the other kids look around at each other and say, you know, personally, I've always really liked Jimmy. I thought he was a great kid. I don't know why you all have a problem with him. In fact, him and I are doing lunch this week. It's great. I love the guy. Now, the reason I bring this up today is that we're looking at a group of people today who, for lots of reasons, find themselves struggling to make it. A group of folks who struggle financially or educationally, vocationally, often physically, emotionally, definitely spiritually. A group of people that the book of Proverbs generally refers to as the poor. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs today, getting some wisdom. And remember, this is not just materially poor, but people who live under oppression of which they can't lift themselves out of in any way. You know, I heard a quote this week. Someone was telling a story about the response to the poor. And this person said, you know, anybody that comes to the poor and says, well, they should just pull themselves up by their bootstraps should begin by giving them boots. You know, the poor are people that are usually living in structures or systems out of which they are powerless to rescue themselves, to lift themselves out of simply by, oh, just get a job or just improve your situation. It's far more complex than that. The scripture speaks of that. 
And so this morning, we're going to try to sensitize each other to the plight of the poor today. But before we get on into all of that, we need to know that the poor have a very powerful protector, an awesome advocate, someone in their neighborhood who says to any oppressor, you mess with the poor, you mess with me. And of course, I'm speaking of God himself. Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. You see that phrase, contempt for their maker? He who oppresses the poor does something to God that God does not take laying down. He who oppresses the poor stirs up, you could say, or kindles the feelings of God toward wanting to come alongside and advocate for the poor. God is not mocked. And God takes it personally when someone actively oppresses the poor or ignores the poor. And throughout the book of Proverbs, we learn that God has a special concern in his heart toward the poor in particular. So much so that he serves notice in this book of Proverbs and in many other places in the Bible that those who who mistreat the poor must ultimately reckon with God himself. But on the other side of the equation, there's an equally strong promise made to those who will show mercy to the poor, to the disadvantaged, the marginalized, and the oppressed. Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor, look at this phrase, lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. It's a giving to God. Now those of you who understand finances a little bit, you get the picture here. Here's the principle. Whenever you're kind to the poor with your resources, that includes money. It's not just money, time, talent, investment, whatever else, with your help, with your time or anything. It's like making a loan to God. In the testimony of scripture, it says when you advocate, when you get alongside the poor and help, it's like making a loan to God and God always repays. He always rewards with interest. So here's what God is saying. Let me summarize. He says, you mess with the poor, you mess with me. You bless the poor, you get blessed by me with interest. And this is really important to understand. Just really briefly, understanding the whole idea of biblical blessing. Because we see that and we can think, hey, so if I write a check for $100, tomorrow in my bank account is going to be $150 from God? Like, is that how the blessing thing works? We need to understand exactly what the scriptures mean when it says the blessing or the favor being poured out upon those who advocate for the poor. Blessing scripturally, blessing in the sense that God speaks of it most in the Bible, really has to do a lot with alignment with the heart of God and living out the purposes for which he made you. And really the search and and passion of most people is to find who am I? Why am I here? What's my meaning? What's my purpose? And one of the greatest blessings that God gives us is when we start into activities that align our hearts with the heart of God, we find our purpose. We discover who we are. We find out why we're on this earth. And so when it speaks of God absolutely blessing you, it doesn't mean that, you know, God just pays you back with the money that was given. He gives you better. You come into intimacy with God. You align with his mission. He fills you with a passion that you could never manufacture because that's true favor. That's true blessing, knowing who you are, knowing who you are before God and living out the passions with with which he's given you. So over and over in the Bible, there's this promise of favor from the hand of God for any and all of us who demonstrate kindness, who create space in our lives for the poor. Any and all of us who intentionally try to cultivate compassion in our lives for those suffering in need 
we get the attention of God's heart and something that he is so passionate about. Proverbs 22.9 says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Or Proverbs 14.21, Blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. And I could give you a dozen other Proverbs if we had time. And I don't know if many of you ponder the significance of these promises, but we should. That's what we're doing over these next number of weeks. Because if we think really carefully about this, it should catch our breath. And we should stand in awe that what these texts are saying. The texts are saying that the God of the universe is so concerned about the plight of the poor that any of us who aligns ourselves with the needs and concerns of the needy, any one of us who cultivates a heart of compassion for the poor will evoke from God a river of mercy and blessing, an invaluable covenant of his favor towards us, a promise of blessing on your life and mine. And so the writer of, book, writer of the book of Proverbs says this to us this morning. Where are you going with your life? I mean, what's really important to you? What do you want to see happen in your future? Do you want to see a future in your life that is blessed and favored by God? Do you want to see God open the doors and create opportunities for you? Then treat the poor with mercy. Be kind and generous to the poor. However, if your plan is to be opposed by God, if you want to resist God and you want resistance from him, you want him to close doors, then ignore the poor. Be calloused to them. You see, it all sorts of, it all sorts of, sort of depends on, scripturally, our treatment of the poor, the marginalized, the most oppressed. And all of this begs the question that is really at the core of our concern that we're going to talk about this morning when we set the table for our series about God's heart for justice and compassion is how does a person like you and I, how do we cultivate hearts of compassion that don't just get moved in a moment, but actually live with intentionality over the long term in living out the passions of God? How do you grow in mercy and grace to the poor? I want to give you a few things to consider. Again, these themes will be coming up over the next month. So very much as an introductory uh, talk to this series. How do we cultivate compassion that is true compassion to those in need? Part of the answer of how to grow in compassion is hidden right in Proverbs 28:27. Look where it says, those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. So turn that around for a moment. The first way to develop or cultivate a heart of compassion is to open your eyes. You have to see the plight of the poor. It really is a call to open our eyes and to look at true need. Not just felt need, I mean the true need. That is at the core of so many poor people's lives. Look at those who are suffering. Notice them. Look into the eyes of those whose lives are badly broken in some way and resist the temptation to look away or run away or pretend that they represent a problem for someone else to solve. You know, every person I know who has developed a heart of compassion can always tell me when it was and where it was their eyes were first opened to the needs of the poor. Like there's these moments of awakening. Everyone with a huge heart of compassion that I've ever met, no matter where in the world I've met them, can tell me the first time they came face to face with a level of need that they never knew existed. It happened for me in the year 1996 when I traveled outside of Canada for the very first time. Now, I grew up in this middle-class Western home. Uh, grew up mostly in Regina, Saskatchewan, and in the area 
And I had walked past maybe a couple of times in my life, a homeless person that was begging on the sidewalk or something like that. But in 1996, I was in my second, third year of uh, Bible school training And I'd never really had my heart moved at all with compassion toward those who are held down by structures of oppression or by generational poverty. No idea about that stuff. I just wanted to learn how to teach the Bible and get into a church and on I go. But there became, there came this opportunity for me to serve in a ministry internship for one year in the country of the Philippines and was going to live in Cebu City and work in the church and their youth ministry and simply have an experience in another part of the world. And the guy that I was going with, him and I decided that while we're heading out of Canada for the very first time to this part of the world called Asia, we should maybe look around a little. So let's visit some places before our internship begins. And I remember uh, leaving, you know, flew to Vancouver and out of Vancouver to Singapore. And then we went down to, 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 uh, it was Kuala Lumpur, and then uh, down into Jakarta. So imagine this. Western Canadian kid, never been outside of Canada, and I stroll out of the airport thinking I know everything about life and hit the city of Jakarta with all my pride and all my hubris, and in about six minutes had it completely melt before me. I had no idea the world was like this. I remember for three days walking around Jakarta, um, being toured with, with some people that were working there, and then, then even the experiences later of living in Cebu. Um, and I just remember being struck by the dichotomy Some of you know these parts of the world where you have a walled home, a mansion, and up against the mansion is squalor, where people live in the garbage and eat the garbage and sleep in the garbage and everything else like that. And I had no idea what to do with what I was seeing. See, my eyes had been opened, and I had a decision to make, and every single one of us does. My decision was this, am I going to keep my eyes open to the plight of these poor throughout the course of my life, or am I going to close my eyes, pretend it's not there, and walk away? I mean, am I going to arrange my life in a way that will keep the needs of the suffering people near the center stage of my life, or will I allow the pressing agenda of my concerns to push the plight of the poor off to the side stage, out of eyesight, where they won't bother me, or make me feel guilty, or make me feel responsible for anyone but myself anymore? The question was this, will I keep my eyes open or will I close them? You see, that decision right there determines for me and for you whether we will ever grow in compassion. It always starts with what we see. It starts with our eyes. When you're trying to cultivate a heart of compassion, so much depends on what we allow ourselves to see. Seeing the person behind the need. Like, I mean, really seeing them. I remember a few years ago, I was building a relationship with a man uh, in the city of Edmonton, a homeless man, and I got to know him a little bit, and we were developing a friendship. I would sit and talk with him, and he would spend his days mostly on the sidewalks begging for loose change. And as our relationship developed, and I got to know his story a little bit more, and his struggles with addiction and all those sorts of things, I asked him one time, once the relationship had reached a place of trust, I asked him, what's the hardest thing about your life right now? He says, His answer absolutely shocked me. He says, you know what my, the hardest thing about my life right now? I said, what's that? He says, being invisible. No one sees me. No one looks at me. I put out a cup for some change and I'm not here for everybody that walks by. No one sees me. I'm invisible. So let me ask you, church, how are our eyes? 
Do you ever do a heart check and wonder if you're more compassionate now than you were five years ago? Or is it going the other way? With the decision of our minds today, this day, we could decide to open our eyes just a little bit more. That would help cultivate compassion. Just be willing to see. We can help in this season get our eyes open for one another. There's a few ways we can do that. I think we need to be paying particular attention to the global poverty stories that are going to be shown every single weekend. And I would ask, maybe over this series, just commit to coming every single weekend to church if for no other reason than to be part of hearing the stories of what's happening in our global poverty initiative. But also this, we have a fantastic team here. We have Pastor Sam and Malad and Dwight and David committed to helping each one of us be aware and educated about the issues of poverty that exist all around us, both close by and far away. And there are opportunities right now for you to engage with them in serving, maybe doing a prayer walk or signing up for a short-term experience that moves us as learners into a different context. Some of us, the biggest decision we're going to make in this season is simply to move into an environment where our eyes can be opened. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask if this is you, if God's spirit is just saying, I just want to give you an experience where you see that sometime in the remainder of this message, I want you to take out a connection card and let us know that you just want to be, you want your eyes open, literally your name, a contact and say, open my eyes. And all of these are going to go to Pastor Sam and him and his team are going to steward what's been happening. Last night, a number of people just left cards and said, I don't know really what to do, but sign me up. I want in. I need my eyes opened. And I'm asking some of you to take a courageous step today. For those joining us online, there's a tab. You can send an email to Pastor Sam. And he's going to steward along with his team what it would mean to engage this church, to engage us wherever we are in having our eyes opened. And I encourage you to do that on a connection card. Because when your eyes truly see, you're never the same. So how many of us, how about it, how many of us would like to grow in a compassion of heart? When we really would. You know, but the road to developing a more compassionate heart starts when you open your eyes to the plight of the poor. And so one of the questions I want you to consider today is, how is my eyesight? What am I seeing? Who or what am I closing my eyes to on purpose? The second way to cultivate a heart of compassion is to extend your hands in serving in some kind of way. Is to get involved. Opening your eyes is a great way to start a heart expansion program, we could call it. But extending a hand in service does even more. In Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31 is a description of this spirit-filled, God, uh, God-honoring woman. It describes a woman of compassion by saying she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. It's the picture of embrace and engagement. That woman's heart is growing as she extends her hands. Now, just thinking this week, how many of us in part of this church, you're so capable in your job, you're so capable in your home, in your marketplace endeavors, you work hard, you think, you dream, you build all sorts of things and develop all sorts of ideas. And I just wonder how many of us with just a little additional effort could get creative and figure out a way to create streams of blessing for the poor. And there's so much creativity and entrepreneurial impulse in this congregation. And I believe in this season, I really do, that God has been tapping you on some of you on the shoulder to get your hands to work in initiating, creating, building, joining something that becomes an avenue of hope to the most needy people around us. You know, perhaps God has been speaking to some of you 
about the structures or systems of injustice that need to be dismantled. I wonder what dreams have been coming on the hearts of people at Rexdale Alliance in these last days. Any dreamers been dreaming lately? You've been looking at our neighborhoods and the state of our city and the state of the world and God's been moving your heart. Well, maybe it's time to get that dream moving. Oftentimes we're not sure. We, you know, we look at our hands and we say, well, we have hands. I'm not sure what to do with them in a helpful way. So in helping this along, I want you to consider this. And uh, Karine, just run this video, please. How can giving food to someone who is hungry actually hurt them? Before we answer that, we need to look at how we define poverty. Many people define it as a simple lack of material things. Not enough food, money, clean water, medicine, or housing. But when you ask the materially poor to define poverty, you'll hear things like, I feel inferior. I feel ashamed. I feel powerless. I feel less than human. I feel like I cannot change my life. These feelings of shame, inferiority, and powerlessness are only made worse when we give handouts of food and clothing to them. No father's dignity is restored by seeing people providing things to his kids, things that he was unable to provide on his own. Poverty goes beyond the material and cuts to the core of how they view themselves, psychologically and socially. We often misdiagnose the problem or treat the symptoms instead of the underlying illness, and our help can actually be harmful preventing them from getting better. That's when helping hurts. But the truth is, we are all poor. Everyone. We are all in need, because we all experience brokenness in the four fundamental relationships of life. Our relationship with God, self, others, and the rest of creation. These relationships are the building blocks of life. It starts with our relationship with God, the one from which the other three flow. Our relationship with self, we are created in God's image and have a high calling to reflect God's glory. Our relationship with others, we are made to love one another, know one another, and encourage one another to follow God's calling. And our relationship with creation, God created us to be stewards, to manage the world and sustain ourselves. But because of the fall, sin entered the world and all four relationships were broken. Our intimacy with God was replaced by a fear of God. Our relationship with self went from a sense of dignity to feelings of shame. Our relationship with others went from community to conflict. And our relationship with creation went from joyful work to toilsome labor. Everyone suffers from the effects of these broken relationships. So we are all impoverished in the sense of not experiencing these relationships as God intended. It may not always look the same across the world, but we all share the same desperate need for Christ, who offers hope that what is broken both inside us and around us, will be restored. Yes, sometimes we do need to provide food to people, but poverty alleviation is so much more than that. It involves reconciling the broken relationships at the root of poverty. It means taking the hungry person by the hand and saying, I'm hungry too, but I've found the bread of life. He can provide the lasting help that you and I both need. Until our view of poverty changes, any help we offer is likely to do more harm than good. So maybe you've been dreaming about how to help. To get your hands engaged, you don't even know where to start. And I want to invite you to an event that I'll be hosting. It's a video seminar about helping without hurting. On December 10th, 3 to 7 here at the church, uh, we're simply going to work through whatever, what that video was pointing to is a number of hours of engagement where we're going to sit around tables 
hear some teaching about what it means to be actively, wisely, helpfully engaged in alleviating poverty. So just hope you'll take note of that. And um, we're really just going to sit and, and learn together. And I hope you'll be part of that. You see, it starts where you see the plight of the poor. Then it goes on to where you start to put your hands to doing something creatively, wisely, to relieve some sort of need. And this really is the motivation behind our whole global poverty initiative. And I think this year, I think this is the year where all of us need to amp up our commitment to put less under our trees in order to give more to the four partners that we're seeking to bless. It's practical, it's personal, and it's meeting real needs both close by and far away. I think some of the conversations around our tables, some of our prayer times over this next month, needs to move to the point of not just what can I afford to give over and above, what would it mean to sacrificially give, to feel a little bit of the sting of going without in order to identify with 90% of the world who lives with not enough. Let me mention one final way to cultivate a heart of compassion, and then we'll close for today. The third way to do it is to build loving relationships with the poor. Once you open your eyes to the poor and extend your hands in service in wise and helpful ways, your heart does start to enlarge, no question. But nothing, nothing will sustain a compassionate heart better than the establishment of a relationship. And so the last thing is to make a friend. Leads to permanent compassion building. It's a wonderful thing to open your eyes to the needs of the poor. It's a better thing to extend your hands to the poor, but it really is a God thing when you establish an ongoing, genuine relationship with someone who's in need. And they stop being seen as someone who's just in need. You start to call them friend, brother, sister, someone you dearly love and can learn from. You see its relationship in the power of genuine love that keeps us from treating people like projects to manage or problems to be solved. When we move with intentionality into friendships with the poor, it takes us out of the role of savior or rescuer and calls us to the way of Jesus, which is about being co-sufferers and pilgrims on a journey together. You know, the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that it is a barrier-destroying message that brings people of all kinds together under Christ, regardless of any status the world would seek to label us with to keep us apart. And I think this is something that we need to be paying particular attention to at this season of Rexdale Alliance Church. You know, since coming here, I hear from time to time that our gatherings don't feel very accessible to those in our neighborhood that are living in poverty. That may be true or not true, but I'm hearing it enough that we need to be paying attention to this. See, there's this idea floating around that we are a church that is divided along socioeconomic lines to the point that we'll just start other initiatives outside our weekend services to create environments where the poor feel welcome because they don't feel welcome here. And honestly, church, that breaks my heart to think that that would be true of us. And I'm not saying it is. I'm saying I'm just hearing it enough that we need to be paying attention that God might be speaking something to us. You know, if there are any obstacles or barriers that exist in this church, whether constructed intentionally or unintentionally, that is keeping anyone on the outside of community looking in, then we have to get prayerful and strategic about resolving that problem. We need to ask Jesus to give us his eyes for what we might be missing when it comes to being a church that is accessible to everyone. And I think this is a season in which some relational chasms need to start getting bridged by radical love. And in that, I'm calling on some intercessors. If you have the gift of intercession, I'm asking you as one of your pastors in this next season, 
Would you simply press into that question with Jesus? Jesus, is there an obstacle? Is there a barrier in our church, in this gathering, that is along socioeconomic lines that would keep people who we would consider the poor on the outside looking in because for some reason this is not accessible? And I'd love for you to email me about that or send me a message. Even better, call me. I do better with answering calls than emails. And let's have a discussion about it. But what about over the next number of weeks? And maybe the Lord says, you know what, it's not a problem. In which case, great. But what if we humbled ourselves to the point to say, maybe there's something here. We've just been hearing enough of it. That we'll get prayerful and we'll get strategic about who we are as a local body and ensure that no one, no one, based on socioeconomic dynamics, would feel like they're on the outside looking in. And that when these doors open, everyone, everyone is welcome to come in. You know, we need to. Because it's exactly what God did when he saw all of us in our spiritual impoverishment. Just one final verse, 2 Corinthians 8. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You see what's going on here? Because of Christ's love for you, in spite of your need, in spite of your spiritual impoverishment, your sinful condition in mind, Christ left the riches of and honor and splendor of heaven to live amongst us and be part of the suffering. He became part of the poverty-stricken scheme and things, how they operate here on earth. He entered into it. He sought to identify with us, and then he paid the price to set us free from the things that were oppressing us. Not only did he offer salvation for sins, but he offered friendship. He said, beyond saving you, he says, I want to be with you. I want to extend my hand of fellowship to you. I want to walk with you throughout the rest of your life. Not just forgiveness, not just salvation, he says, but friendship, relationship. And the text says that the one who was rich, richest, became poorest, so the poor could become rich. It's the great exchange of the gospel. And friends, when we really understand the central message of the Christian faith, that Christ saw our poverty of spirit, So died on a cross to make it possible for us to be restored to God. When we really see the heart of compassion that moved Christ to leave heaven, you know, the rich to become poor, so that all of us who were spiritually impoverished could be restored to God and become rich in this life, and then get heaven thrown in as a bonus gift. When we see that, your heart starts to beat fast for the same kind of compassion to be at work in me. It's like, God, whatever stirred your heart with the kind of compassion that caused you to come and dwell among us as the incarnate Christ, whatever it is that motivated you, God, ignite that in me to move with compassion to the people you love. We can find ourselves being motivated on the inside by a God thing that opens our eyes, extends our hands, and it becomes a joyful thing. It's It's not drudgery. It's not because you're just feeling leaned on. It's because the love of Christ has taken root in your heart and begins to grow inside of you. And what Christ has done for you, we want to do for others. You just want to open your eyes. We want to extend our hands and build relationships with those around us. So here's what I pray will happen in this church, particularly over this next month. I pray that more and more of us will awaken to the irrational, scandalous love of God for us. To this incredible gift that Jesus made when he died on the cross to make salvation available to every single one of us as a gift. I'm praying that we experience our hearts growing in compassion this month and not in this obligatory or burdensome way, but in joy and with passion. And as this happens, the poor will be blessed. The needy will truly be served. You remember how I started this message by saying, you know, you mess with the poor. 
you mess with me, God says. And by reminding us of what God says, but if you bless the poor, you'll be blessed by me. There's favor, a river of favor coming towards you. And I think that can happen here. Even over the next number of weeks, you believe that? That God can pour out his favor on us in this month? As we live out his heart to those around us, I believe he can. And I believe we will look back on this season and be so glad that we stepped with compassion into the very things that are most on the heart of God today. Would you pray with me? We've been given a few challenges this morning. As we've reflected on God's heart for justice and compassion and who it is that he advocates for. We've been called to some action. And so I want to give you just a moment as we do every weekend to simply consider in the next few moments what it is the Holy Spirit of God wants to stir in you, what he wants you to respond to. Just take a moment. I wonder if for some of you, like right now is the moment that you take out a connection card and just put your name on it and say, Pastor Sam, need my eyes opened or I want to know more. And I invite you just to fill it out and on, the, on your way out of the auditorium in just a minute, just leave it on the chair at the back. It's between the doors and I'll make sure that's stewarded really well. It's just saying, I, I need to see. Perhaps some of you, it's, yeah, I'm showing up December 10th to simply do some learning. I have some dreams. I have some ideas. I don't know how to open up new avenues of blessing to the poor, but I want to do it right. I want to do it wisely. So God, I'm going to invest my time by showing up. You know, maybe for some of us, this is even a season of repentance where we say, God, I have not had my eyes open to the plight of the poor and I ask your forgiveness I've come up with political excuses I've come up with economic excuses and maybe God's just done with our excuses and he's asking us to step in to bust down the barriers that keep us apart from people and say we come as brothers and sisters to one table regardless of where we are status wise in life and we're going to build relationships So God, take us deeper. And I wonder again if some of us are just at this point where we thought we know what we were going to contribute, even financially, to lessen to the tree more for the world. And God's saying, hold on a minute. Don't make assumptions. What if this became a prayerful adventure of what it is to live with sacrificial love to those who are most in need? And that what right now feels like a bit of pain actually becomes the most joyful experience of this whole season as you experience the favor of God upon you. So whatever it is that God's putting on your heart, you prayerfully commit that to him. That's between you and him. Just give you a moment with that. Father, we bless you today. We love you. We love that you have a heart of justice and compassion, that giving, even as Pastor Chris said earlier, the giving began with you. You initiated it towards us impoverished people to set us free. And so now with that same heart of compassion, it caused you to be, it compelled you to be born as a baby in a stable 2,000 years ago, 
to give life and peace through the ways by co-suffering with us. By not standing outside of our pain and diagnosing it, but entering in in flesh and blood, feeling the pain that we feel so we could be rescued from it. Would that passion that drove your heart to come rescue us be the very same passion that is stirred in our hearts over this month? And would we not resist you? Would we not hold back? And that as we come to advocate for the poor and open our eyes, extend our hands and make a friend, would we come into a season of blessing and favor, the likes of which we've never had before, simply because we're aligning with the thing that is most on your heart today, God. And I bless you, church, to that adventure in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? I just want to send you with a benediction. As is every weekend, if you have a prayer need, you want to meet with somebody, there'll be people right here to pray with you. There's a chair right at the back between the doors, even in the balcony. You can just come down or even on the side chairs. Just leave those connection cards. There's a way that you want to step in. You'll be contacted soon. Uh, But now go in the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that the God who is rich became poor, so in our poverty we could be made rich. Would Would that be the call of God on our church in this season? to walk in that favor and the delight of God as we reach to those who are most in need. Go in peace, church. Have a great week.